0: Hi Mystics and Voyeurs! We had the distinct pleasure of being a guest on another podcast called Bobo's Void, hosted by the lovely Bobo. We're so happy we're able to share it with you here also. We discussed how we came about creating this podcast, we talked a little bit about ourselves, spirituality, and general fun tarot stuff as well so we hope you enjoy
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome to yet another episode of Bobo's Void. I'm here today with two very special guests because, of course, we're talking about my favorite topic, which is death, the afterlife. But also tarot. We're actually just going to have a really just cute little witchy episode today. Um, And I'm here with two incredible guests that if you're in the void, you already know who they are. You already know them. You already listen to their podcast. Death becomes tarot. And if you don't, then now is the day to begin. Um, I'm here with Brooke and Marguerite. Do you want to introduce yourself? Brooke, we can start with you. Maybe just let us know your sun sign, your moon sign, and just, yeah, who you are and what you do.
2: Yeah. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Brooke. I am a Taurus sun, Scorpio moon, Aries rising. Wait. No, I messed that up. <laughs> I was Taurus sun, Scorpio rising, Aries moon. Um,
1: Aries moon gang gang. I'm also an Aries moon, so.
2: Yes fiery energy is the best
1: yes absolutely
2: um yeah i've been practicing tarot for like 10 years now um i was mentored by somebody else but since then i've been mostly self-taught i don't do it professionally though um i just do it for fun Mm. but and on friends and things like that and yeah lovely uh
1: marguerite do you want to introduce yourself
0: uh, sure. Um, I'm Marguerite. My sun, moon, and rising are Pisces, Scorpio, Gemini. Um, Very chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and I just realized I had my eight year anniversary of reading tarot this oh past my gosh. January. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, um, I do have a a tarot business and I do the podcast with Brooke so amazing
1: I love it It, can you both like get into a little bit more about like what tarot is and how you got into it like how does tarot differ from I was listening to your podcast and I think it was you Marguerite who described tarot as like spicy psychology um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which I like that definition because, yeah, the tarot does, it drags you by the hair follicles in a way that, like, a therapist or a psychologist wouldn't. But, yeah, do you want to just sort of, like, for people who might not know who or who might not even be that familiar with it, like, what is tarot? Uh,
0: yeah, um, I don't even think, a spicy psychology wasn't my term, I stole that from someone and I can't remember where I, yeah. where I had heard it or where I had seen it, but I saw it somewhere and I was like, that makes so much sense because tarot is a self-help tool mm. and um, the cards can definitely be really sassy um, <laughs> and especially depending on the person you go see, um, they can also be really sarcastic, so mm. it depends on the reading of them. But, um, I don't know. It's a really fun way to grow and self-develop is through, um, tarot. And that's why I refer to it as spicy psychology. Is it like
1: self-help or is it like a, a psychic tool? Both. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. I want to like get into that a bit more. And, um, Either of you can answer this, but like, oh, I mean, both of you can answer this. But like, how did you discover and get into this?
2: Yeah, so I actually, being a tourist son, I'm (laughs) so, I'm left brain, but I'm also very stubborn and right brain. So I was actually really atheist for a really long time. (laughs) Um, And I was working at this place and a bunch of my friends kept telling me to go to this reader and they were like, she's amazing. And I was such a skeptic. I was like, I don't know. I don't think I believe in this. Yeah. And then I finally went. And it was just, first of all, like me and this woman just had, it's so hard to describe, but we just have this soul connection. Mm. Um, Julie is like in her, like when I met her, she was in her 70s. Um, So... Like, we couldn't be further apart, but we definitely know that we've known each other in many, many past lives. Oh, wow. And it's always, like, a joke amongst us, because she's like, it's funny, because in past lives, you were certainly my teacher, but now the roles are reversed this time around. (gasps) What? Yeah, it's so weird. It's just the most bizarre thing, and I think that in itself, first of all, opened up my mind, because... And there was just things between us that were just known very easily, even without the cards. Um, she's the one who ended up mentoring me, and so slowly, like literally, I'm a Taurus, so so, so so, 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 so slowly. Um, it probably took me about like maybe two or three years before I really felt like comfortable and actually believed fully in the cards and what they mm. can do. Um, but that's how I started learning. And then, yeah, it's just been a journey since then.
1: Yeah. Would you, do you have to, um, I think everyone, even if you're a skeptic is like a little bit interested or like fascinated by the realm of astrology and tarot. Do you have to be born with some sort of innate psychic ability to be able to read tarot or like even engage in these practices?
2: No, but I mean, that could be controversial because it depends on who you talk to. But Mm. most people who practice tarot, I would say, um, their belief is that everybody has uh, intuitive or psychic abilities, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. And some people are just more tapped in than others. Like it's a Mm. muscle that you have to strengthen.
1: Okay. Would you both say that you're like tapped in to any type of psychic abilities?
2: Yeah. I mean, what about Marguerite? what What would you say you are? Um, oh, what do you mean?
1: Yeah, no, just so, like, would you say you have, maybe psychic abilities isn't the right word, but, like, a heightened sense of intuition or, like, abilities that transcend our physical realm that, like, most people just don't have access to. So whether that just be, like, like what Brooke was describing, where, like, she met this woman and this woman is like, oh, wait, we definitely knew each other in a past life and you were my teacher in a past life and like just the ability to see beyond
0: like the here and the now uh yeah so when I was introduced to uh tarot as a concept um I had this childhood best friend and her mom was actually a tarot reader um But I was raised super Catholic, so I had been told it was, like, the devil's work. Oh, my God. (laughs) And when I was about 13, her mom had offered to teach me tarot. Yeah. But she said I had to get my mom's permission to do it. And, of course, my mom was like, what the fuck? No. (laughs) Yeah. And so, like, I went away from it. And when um, I turned 18, a friend gave me a tarot deck and... I had always remembered my nani, um, my great-grandmother, telling me when I was five that the Viola women in our family um, had special abilities. Oh. And um, so um, I don't know if it was because of all of those things adding up that it led me to want to listen to my intuition more. Um, So I would say I have a heightened sense of intuition, and Hmm. I think you do need to be aware of your intuition in order to read tarot.
1: Oh, Um, interesting. And
0: anyone can cultivate uh, that heightened sense of intuition through... How
1: do you, like... This is something that I struggle with myself, but, like, how do I know... How do I differentiate between my intuition and just, like, my impulses um, or or my desires? Like, how do I differentiate between everything that's going on in my mind and my body to, like, single out my intuition? Where is it?
0: (laughs) For me, it was about practice. And I think uh, keeping track, especially in my earlier years of my moods like keeping a mood tracker helped Mm. me to start to identify and differentiate between when I was just feeling anxiety and when I might have been feeling something else.
2: I would say too like your intuitions are really your instincts a lot of the time so Uh. normally when you get like a gut reaction to something or that like initial impulse um if it's not something that's like associated with like another thing like anxiety or something like that, typically that's your intuition speaking. And I mean, Mm. for me, eventually, it's almost like I hear a different voice in my head when I'm like intuitively receiving something. But I think it's also different because if you like refer to psychic abilities, there's, they basically call them like the clairs. So there's four different types of clairs, which is clairsentience. And that's, I think through smell, right? Yeah, clear audience is through hearing. Clear cognizance is knowing, and then what's the fourth one? Clairvoyance, which is seeing images. Oh. So I would say that I'm clear cognizant. So like when I'm reading um, the cards, or if I'm just journaling or things like that, and I'm receiving knowledge, um, I just receive knowledge mentally. Like it's very weird.
0: Why? Mm-hmm. I, I hear my nonnies voice in my head sometimes.
1: Um, wait, sorry. What is, what is a nanny? Is that your grandma?
0: Oh, yeah. It's the Italian term for grandmother.
1: Oh, so. my God. That's the cutest. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Wait, so I'm actually spiraling right now at the, the idea of like, first of all, I didn't even know that there was four different types of,
0: what do you call it, sentience?
2: Yeah, that's well, Claire's one. sentience is one, but I think people just refer to them as, like, the Claire's.
0: The most – the term we hear most often is clairvoyance. Yeah. And I think that's because, like, seeing visceral, vivid ima- images can be the most disorienting. Oh.
2: So. I also think okay. like it's the one that's most troped by, like, Hollywood.
1: Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say.
2: It's the easiest to represent on screen, yeah, yeah. for
1: sure. yeah. I was gonna say, okay, I have kind of a controversial question. Um, But I imagine, okay, if I were to tell someone in my life that I am clairvoyant, for example, they would probably just accuse me of having a mental illness. Like, to what extent do like people's stigmas around mental illness and also like tropes around like w- witches being like women and like being evil like does that affect your work at all and like people's perceptions of that like people's internalized misogyny people's like warped idea about mental illness etc and like how do you differentiate you know
2: well i don't do it professionally so i think it's a little different for me yeah especially because I honestly have kept this hidden for a really long time. It's not something I really discuss unless I'm in circles where I know I'm with people who also practice similar things. Mm. Um, Since the podcast coming out, uh, obviously I'm talking about tarot openly, but I think there's a lot of people that are still, they just don't take it seriously. They don't believe in it. And honestly, like I have no ill will with that. That doesn't bother me. Yeah. Um, as long as you're not shaming for it, shaming me for it, I don't care. But I've actually seen more of an outpour of people reaching out to be like, "Oh, I didn't know that you studied tarot. Oh, that's so cool. Could you teach me? I also study it, but I don't talk about it."
1: Oh, interesting. Um, why do you feel that you've like kept it under wraps? Is it just like the fear of other people's judgment? I suppose.
2: Um. I think it's a little bit of that, probably. I mean, I'm also a pretty private person. So I think Mm. because it's a spiritual practice, I tend to keep a lot of those things very hidden for me, you know, so they're just for me alone. Yeah. But I don't mind talking about tarot openly because it is a self-help tool and it's something that, you know, it might be like a personal thing that I use, but it's still something that other people can utilize as well.
1: Mm, Yeah. And, like, what about you, Marguerite? Like, as someone who practices this professionally, do you feel like you have to just, like, navigate people's perceptions and internalize misogyny and all that jazz?
0: Yeah. um, I do have, over the last few years, have carefully curated what I will put out there, and what I won't, just given what the perceptions are, Mm. um, there are things that I will and will not talk about, um, just because there can be a lot of backlash from random people on the internet, and, um, where it's something I want to enjoy doing and want to help others, um, I am careful in what I share. Yeah. Um, but it has been mostly a positive experience. I do get creepers once in a while or like people trying to solicit free things sometimes. i like <laughs> yeah. hey. you don't know gays. <laughs> but um yeah, this the stigma around like very easily if I post the wrong graphic or make the wrong kind of statement. Um, I could be labeled as crazy or just like don't know what I'm talking about or discredited. So yeah.
1: I see, I yeah. see.
0: I think it was um, Jessica Lagnato who was talking about <laughs> broken smiling because I always talk about Jessica. Yeah, but um, she on uh, one of her episodes of her podcast was, talking about how like on the flip of a dime even though astrology and tarot has become more widely accepted in the mainstream due to social media it can all change given the long history of how we do tend to turn on the wise women in our community so easily as a way of uh, to foster blame for if things go wrong
1: yeah no i definitely agree with that Um, And how, like, Brooke was saying that she is, like, claircognizant, is that what it's called? Um, What of the clairs would you say you identify with the most, Marguerite?
0: Um, I can never remember what they all are.
2: (laughs) I'm so bad. Um, Clairsentient, claircognizant, clairaudient, clairvoyant. There's also another one, but I don't remember the name of it, but it's, like, when you – it's for people who, um, like, when they hold objects – they like oh, they receive like feel. things from objects. Uh,
0: um, yes. So um, I hear like the cards speak to me. So um, which one is that, Brooke?
2: I guess that would probably be when you're like holding an object, then because yeah, you're like directly also... receiving it from the cards. Because like when mm. I use the cards, it's coming into my brain, but not from them. It's just like yeah. reading the story as I receive. But if you're getting it directly from the card, I would say. It's the one, Claire, that I don't remember the name of. Yeah, because
0: yeah, I can also sense and feel energies from things. Oh, so, how so? Like, yeah, how like How does that feel? For a while, at parties for friends and stuff, I used to do energy readings. Mm.
1: <laughs> what is an energy reading?
0: <laughs> um, it's kind of like, you might hear them referred to, so auras would be, when when we talk about colors and things like that, would be, yeah. be more... Um, visual aspect of that but you can also sense a person's aura and all objects have an energy. Yeah. So um, I can, uh, when I touch things or I feel things or I'm in close proximity to people or things um, they speak to me.
1: Interesting. So. Like yeah. how is it what exactly are you receiving from that? Are you receiving like this is is it like categorized into bad and good energy or is it or is it just a lot more specific than that?
0: Sometimes it can be specific or sometimes it's just like I don't even know what that is, so I'm just gonna ignore it. Yeah. More often than not, I ignore it because it's a lot of gibberish. So yeah. trying to sort between like what's actually important information and what isn't is a huge part of it too. So Yeah.
1: Do you guys both use these abilities like in your personal lives like if you meet people, are you able to gauge either their energy or like, yeah, like just gauge like whether or not this is a this person is good or bad for me?
2: um I think yes and no. I mean, I think you know sometimes I don't know if it would be the ability per se um but you know, I think it just comes down to like intuition and instinct. But I think, mm. you know, as humans, we also bypass those things constantly. Yeah. So, I think it's both. I think I'm, I mean, I'm the type of person upon first meeting people where I have to suss them out anyways before yeah. <laughs> I determine if I like them. So, I guess partially, um but yeah, it depends.
0: Yeah. Um also yes and no. I try. I, I can. I feel like it can be invasive, so I try not to do that. <laughs> oh, I see.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. But let's get into your podcast. Death becomes tarot. How did that come
2: about? So we can't fully agree or remember, but we <laughs> know that it had something to do with Leah. To my memory, we were talking about it in our chat, and um. She said something about, well, why don't you two just start a podcast together? And we were like, mm. oh, okay. And then Marguerite privately messaged me. She's like, wait, do you actually want to? And I was like, sure. And then Marguerite was like, wait, do you have any ideas? And I was like, no. Like, I, I just said, sure. I have zero ideas. Like, I just wanted. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she already had an idea ready. So, and I really liked the idea. So I signed on. I love that. Yeah,
0: then we set a date, and we started recording, and here we are. Yeah, and the rest is
1: history. I yeah. love that. So it's oriented around tarot reading, but it's called Death Becomes Tarot. What exactly does that mean?
0: Um, So it's a riff on the title of Death Becomes Her, which is uh, an old Meryl Streep film mm. um, where she dies and comes back to life much like the death card and so the idea was to talk about tarot cards in relation to death
2: which is almost like a two-parter too because obviously you have the death card in the deck so it's like relating the death card if you were to pull it alongside whatever other card we're disgusting, or yeah. discussing discussing <laughs> um and then it's also about talking about death in the physical and philosophical way as well.
1: Mm. Well, what is the relationship between tarot and death? I never envisioned that the two like had some sort of like symbiotic relationship, but now I'm curious.
0: Oh well, so the death card is all about rebirth, and mm. since tarot is a self-help tool in and of itself, you're constantly birthing uh, rebirthing yourself through all of these different types of changes in your life. Mm. Um, so, um, a death is kind of all encompass, encompassing of what the death card, um, can do for you in your life as you rebirth and change and, um, go in different directions.
1: Oh, I see. As far as like the philosophical or like, Yeah, as far as like the philosophical underpinnings of death, like how does that intersect with um, tarot and like what you guys discuss on the podcast?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much so. The premise we have like other episodes that'll be featured in and out, but like the premise behind most of the regular episodes is how death is related to each individual card. So each episode is dedicated to one singular card. But, like, because death, if we're t- talking about the philosophical, is a lot about rebirth and cycles, and a lot of that relates just directly to any card in particular, because each card is, is almost its own cycle that mm. is trying to either bring something into your life, teach you something, have you move past something, encourage you. So, there's lots of different facets. It just depends on which card in relation to death and the way that they interact together.
1: Oh, interesting. Um, So Marguerite, I know that you are on your way to becoming a death doula. (laughs) Do you mind talking a bit more about that and like your journey towards that? Like, for one, what is a death doula for anyone that might not know?
0: Uh, Yeah, so uh, a death doula is someone who accompanies you on your end of life journey so oftentimes mm. they'll help you come to terms with the death and dying through various means or ways it's an interesting comp a concept and they do a lot of things like um what i do in the v- in the void just casually is hosting death cafes which is kind of like a support group in which you discuss your fears, your grievances, or just coming to terms with the way in which you're uh, you're going to that you might be dying soon so it's really popular um, or they help a lot of older people who are coming to terms with the fact that they'll be dying. Um, you can also help with end-of-life planning um, for people so that would be like working with funeral homes, um, working with hospice um they're really just um people to aid that last journey in this lifetime
1: yeah is this for people who know that they're dying or people who are also like going to take their own lives like does this also count as like assisted suicide
0: i'm not sure in what ways death doulas work with assisted suicide in states that it's legal um Mm. i'm sure that they do um there are very few death doulas um in the states um i think it's um somewhere between uh 450 to 500 registered people operate as death doulas so there's not a lot of people doing this work um And it's pretty unregulated as well. So the process is uh, you get certified by somebody who is already practicing death doula. So you're trained by somebody who um, is a death doula already.
1: Interesting. Um, I'm curious as to like what both of your relationship with death is. Because Marguerite, you had mentioned that you grew up like really Catholic and Brooke, you said you were kind of atheist before like delving into the world of tarot. Like how did your um, your past, I, I would say like spiritual framework sort of like lead you to your current relationship with death and spirituality now?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think for me personally I've also had – I've always had a very interesting relationship with death. Um, I've been in relation to people dying since I was, like, a child because I know – I didn't realize that this was, like, an uncommon thing, at least for, like, with people I talked about, but, like, I knew basically all of my great-grandparents, but obviously they were very old, so (laughs) most of my great-grandparents did pass when I was a child um i've had other family members pass as well and friends um so and i've had friends die from suicide as well as natural causes and things like other things like cancer and things um but i've always had such a weird relation and for a really long time i think that i thought that there was something wrong with me because i didn't fully mourn death in the way that we see it stereotyped in like films and movies Mm. you know I didn't have like an overwhelming sadness or I mean I, I would cry and I'd be upset but it wasn't something that lasted for a very long time you know like I've and I think that grieving you know there's no right or wrong way but I think it shaped a lot of my philosophizing about it because I didn't see death so much as, like, a pure ending, so I don't think that it saddened me to the level that it does with a lot of people.
1: Oh, interesting. What did you see it as? Just, like, a transition?
2: Yeah, I think I've—I mean, I don't know if I conceptualized it that much when I was a child, but I do think that I always just considered a transition, and that I wasn't—you know, it's just a physical loss on this plane— but I think something important to, like, remember when we talk about death and people actively dying is that, as, like, corny and cheesy as it sounds, that the version of them that you knew is always going to live with you. Mm, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I guess that sort of shaped a lot of my philosophy. And then um, I have had quite a few indigenous friends growing up. Um, as well as now, and I think exploring the ways that they view death and celebrate death and those sort of rites that they have, I think, is more towards the way that I would lean spiritually as opposed to, like, the tra- traditional, like, Catholic or Christian mourning. Um, yeah. Because half of my family is extremely Catholic, so <laughs> I grew up yeah. around Catholicism and presbyterianism
1: interesting okay
0: marguerite what about you um yeah like brooke i also knew a great grandparent which is um uncommon but um and she my nani died when i was quite young and i didn't really get it like i just thought that she I was like, oh, she just went somewhere we can't visit right now. Like, mm. that's how I understood it as like, oh, okay, we just can't go visit her at the old age age home anymore because um, we used to go visit her once a week. Like, we we had a party for her. She went away and we just don't visit anymore. Yeah. And then the next time um, someone really important in my life died was my brother's best friend who was like a brother to me also died of an overdose when I was in middle school and that's when I kind of really started to grasp more like oh this thing and everyone is just so sad and is causing so many people so much grief and then in the Catholic religion you kind of you just don't talk about it so no one has open conversations about things so then around that time my uncle had died come to find out later that he had also died of an overdose and then in high school my grandfather became really sick with cancer and so I remember going to visit him when he was in hospice and like just the slow process of watching him die was I think really eye-opening to me so that like people are suffering in ways that we're not talking about Mm. so and then when people die you all come together you acknowledge it in this one moment and then you don't ever talk about it again which seemed really weird to me so, and then the only time in my family in which people were talking about the people who had died was at holidays or like when it might have been that person's birthday or something, was when yeah. we'd get told stories about them. And so when I started learning tarot, I st- and I had also had exposure to other communities that weren't Catholic either. Like, I understood that this was not a quote normal or like the norm um like there were healthier ways to process and go about death and just healthier ways to process and go about a lot of things Mm. so um and I think that's kind of what led me now that I'm older and having learned about things like death doula to want to be able to Help other people in healthier ways come to terms with death. Yeah. So because it's all about change, and a lot of people don't want to um, accept change in their lives. Yeah. yeah. And when people come and go, and they die, and we lose people, it's it's transformational in ways that we just don't discuss in mm. healthy manners.
1: What is both of your relationship with to your own death like? Are you at peace with it? Do you still have like fear towards it or has this practice like helped you really like face your own mortality?
2: Mm. My personal relationship with death for my own death is very convoluted because I have suffered from suicidal ideation. Mm. And I think from my young age, I also had a little bit of romanticization with death as well.
1: Oh, what caused that? I'm yet to hear someone say they romanticized death.
2: I think a lot of it was teenage angst. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) On top of suicidal ideation and depression. Um, But I also think because um, I'm also an artist that in my art, I was also always very drawn to images of When I say images of death, I don't mean like I was looking at extremely horrific, morbid things. Yeah. Yeah. But just um, images that were representations of death. So, yeah, I'm very comfortable with the idea of me dying. But I don't want to die yet. (laughs) Um, Mm. I feel like since coming full circle with a lot of that, that I have so much more that I want to experience and live mm. but I don't fear the actual act of dying and I'm quite comfortable with it and I have an obnoxious funeral plan
1: <laughs> wow I love that's so wholesome that do, is it is it the like practicing tarot that sort of alleviated some of that suicidal ideation
2: yeah i definitely think it contributed because it's funny because i don't think a lot of people would think of tarot as a self-help tool in that manner
1: yeah i honestly never did i always saw tarot as like i want to know what's gonna happen in the next six months let me go get a tarot card reading but now i'm like wait okay okay
2: yeah I actually, so me and Marguerite don't really recommend doing future readings for tarot.
1: Oh, why is that?
2: Because when you're doing a tarot reading, um, typically it's based on like your current energetic circumstances. So like where you are currently. Yeah. So like, say you get a reading and then the cards are like, okay, you should go in this direction. And either you do or you don't. Like you change your energy and you go in in that direction and then those things may happen. But so you get like a six month reading and it says in six months, you're going to get the job of your dreams because yeah. you have to like do all this stuff. But then if you don't do any of the stuff, like it's not going to happen because you have changed your energy to like an opposite direction. So it's going to alter the direction of. The-
1: oh, wait, I'm spiraling. I'm spir. Okay. Have wow. the
0: future readings you've gotten never helped you, Bubba?
1: Honestly, not really. Um, they've I've I had one that was very accurate, but it. I guess it didn't help me in that like the things that it said were going to happen. Like I got this repeat. I used to live in LA, and a week before I left LA to move to New York, I went to go see. Um, the tarot card reader and she was saying oh in four months you're gonna meet this guy and you guys are gonna date uh, but this guy isn't gonna be like your main your main like the guy you end up spending your life with or whatever um, and she was like you're gonna work in fashion and you're gonna like start just doing a bunch of things in the fashion world and yeah she was right about all of that Um, But I guess, I guess it wasn't anything that I didn't necessarily foresee happening
2: anyway. Yeah, I think it also depends too, like future readings, sure can be accurate, you know, sometimes the universe is gonna force things into your past regardless of whether you're taking the initiative. Yeah. Which is sometimes where it can be very detrimental if you get readings and it keeps telling you to do something and yeah. then you keep bypassing it and then it's forced in a very intense way into your life. Mm. But if you're just getting a future reading to get a future reading, that's fine. But if you don't have like the motivational or emotional like reasoning behind why – you're seeking out this insight. It's just going to be like oh this thing happened.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I think I went in with no intention other than, oh my god, I want to know what's going to happen. Um I wasn't like seeking any insight or guidance or or any of that. So I guess I literally got what I went to get. But I think in future if I were to get a tarot card reading, I think I'd be more interested in like just insights about me and, like, why I do the the things I do Um, and just, yeah, just shit like that.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably what's helped me a lot, too, and I used to um, keep a tarot journal, so I would, like, write down stuff from readings, um, what was coming up, and just kind of keep a path illustrated in that manner so I could see, like, what I was receiving and what direction it was moving towards.
0: And then I would take it to therapy.
1: Oh. How did your therapist receive that?
0: My therapist loves the idea of how I use tarot and astrology to as a tool outside of her to continue the yeah. work that we do when I'm in therapy. Wait, how? Oh
1: my god, I actually think I want to start doing this too. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so, like, I'll go, I'll see an astrologer, and I'll be like, okay, so this is what, um, such such and such told me that, like, this is what has me stuck, and, like, I find that this is holding true in X ways that it's manifesting in my life. Yeah. Or coming up in my life, and so let's talk about that and maybe ways in which I can change that or overcome that or if it is true like am i actually upset about it or just um it's a way to be reflective and analytical and a more it gives you a third party perspective like a a way to be introspective without bias
1: Mm.
2: yeah i would say that like so things like the enneagram your myers-briggs your astrology birth chart I think those are all great introspective tools to understand yourself as who you were born as yeah, um, and who you've developed to be. But I think things like tarot help to illustrate your behaviors, your patterns, your blockages. So it's a more introspective self-help tool in how you go about your life as opposed to just who you are as a person.
1: Oh, can you like do a reading on
2: yourself? Yeah. Yeah, some people advocate that you shouldn't. Some people do. There's like a lot of things in the tarot community that can go either way. But I, yeah. I'm i of the belief that you can do readings on yourself and it's like one of the best ways to learn.
0: At the end of the day, it's whatever helps you. Yeah. And that's it. That's what rules it.
1: Yeah, I think I'm definitely going to start doing – like a tarot readings for myself as a supplement to therapy this has actually just blown my mind because I've never thought to do that (laughs) yeah so now I'm like bitch yeah let me just do that absolutely um before we wrap up is there anything about tarot or the podcast that you would like people to know anything that's not spoken about enough um Anything that is particularly important?
2: I mean, I think that at the end of the day, people just have to remember that tarot is a tool. It's not positive or negative. Mm. What you use to make of it and that there's no right or wrong way to learn. And like we've said many times on the podcast of our own, um, get insight from multiple people don't just take what me and marguerite or any other person on instagram or twitter says or tiktok you know (laughs) it's something that you need to thoroughly research and develop for yourself and see what works and what doesn't because i think like the biggest rule in the community and a lot of like spiritual spaces is take what's applicable and leave the rest
0: Mm, yeah so can my beginner babies out there please stay off witch talk Thank you. <laughs> what is witch talk?
1: This <laughs> <laughs> witch TikTok.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you like it? It's not that I don't like it. I think, um, and I'm also iffy on like which Twitter and which Instagram. Like, just be mindful of your sources. But I do find that a lot of, of the spirituality stuff on TikTok is very surface level and can oftentimes Ah. be under-researched yeah um that's been my (laughs) oh don't don't even the hexing of the moon come come for you what's the hexing of the
1: moon i've never heard of
0: this so some witch babies on tiktok thought it would be a great idea to hex the moon except The moon is kind of the epicenter of all things witchcraft, and so then trying to hex it just upsets a lot of energies in the world, including the spiritual fae, who I just, I don't know, I just wouldn't. There's also a lot of, like, advocating for, like, working with the fae on witch TikTok, and... I won't even do that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's not, this is like, they're talking a lot of advanced stuff or what they perceive to be advanced things with no research whatsoever to accompany it. And it's not like me trying to be gatekeeping or anything, but just go buy a book. Whatever happened to that? I don't know. (laughs) That is hilarious. Um, for anyone
1: listening who's interested in like strengthening their intuitive muscles um, or any of their clair muscles, how do we start going about that?
2: Um, okay, so there's... I mean, obviously Google, but I don't want to be that bitch. <laughs> no. <laughs> she um, said
1: Google it, bitch.
2: <laughs> um, see if there's any local places like local readers, communities, anything that's close to you. Because it's going to be easiest to learn from someone that's more directly available to you.
0: Going to uh, your local metaphysical shop and asking questions is the most beneficial thing you could ever do. Because those Ah. people are there to help you. Um, Like, that's what they love to do. And that's what they're there to do is to recommend books for you. Recommend crystals all of these things, so, yeah. yeah, so Google your local metaphysical shop, give that a try, but also, um, like I had said earlier, like, um, keeping track of your moods in a journal, um, maybe meditating is always great, um, even buy a deck, um, I think I say it on the podcast a couple times, um, you can, get a Rider-Waite-Smith deck for, like, $10 and start to teach yourself tarot, so.
2: Yeah, and I would say, like, sources that I trust and think they have valuable opinions on the matter would be Old Ways on Instagram, The Hood Witch, um, uh-huh. Harmony Nice on YouTube. She does more wicker content, but she also does, like, a bunch of tarot.
0: I like Juliet Diaz for a more, um indigenous um perspective on things as well um she actually has a fantastic book out too called witchery that's great for any beginners
2: and then also um bahati life on instagram and she has a youtube channel and she does astrology and tarot
1: wow thank you i'm i'm excited to delve into all of this knowledge for anyone who's listening to please go listen to death becomes tarot immediately I'm going to link. Um, are you guys only on Spotify or are you now on Apple Podcasts?
0: We're like on everything. Anchor okay. just did the thing where it distributes it on everything. Okay. So. Yeah, we're yeah. on sites we don't even know. <laughs> I was like, what the freak is a pocket cast?
1: I know, I know. Um, okay, well, I'll, I'll put all the links for Death Becomes Tarot, including their Instagram And should I also put your individual Instagram accounts? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah, go hit them up. Go find them in the void. Marguerite hosts a a really beautiful death cafe in the void. Um, I'm really excited for the next one. So join us. And thank you for listening. I'll catch you in the next episode. Bye.